It's wonderful to be with you all in worship today, all of you who are here in person and all of you who are worshiping with us online as well. We're in a sermon series called Questions Raised. These sermons are addressing a few of the questions that came up as our congregation read through the New Testament together over the past 12 months. And a couple of the questions I suppose I would categorize under the uh, area of assurance of salvation. What assurance of our salvation do we have? And I want to draw your attention to a wonderful text that I think relates to this topic. John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And the title of the sermon is, I Am the Gate. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Let us pray. Lord God, in this preaching moment, I simply ask that you would help me to speak your word. Help them to hear your word. And Lord, help us all to do your word. I pray in the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Last month, I was invited to voice the prayer of invocation at a session of the Senate of Virginia. I was honored to be asked and happy to oblige. So I wrote down the prayer, gathered the information that I needed, and drove downtown toward the Capitol on the appointed morning. Following the directions on my phone, I drew near to the Capitol and went north on 9th Street. Everything was going smoothly until I made the final turn a right onto Bank Street where I immediately saw before me a formidable gate blocking the entire road. The gate looked official, impassable, and very intimidating. So I quickly did a U-turn and pulled back onto 9th Street to find somewhere else to park. Have you ever encountered a barrier instead of access? Have you ever encountered a blockade? Instead of an entryway? Have you ever encountered obstruction instead of admittance? When attending concerts, I've noticed certain areas blocked off for performers or for people with backstage passes only. At sports arenas, I've seen sections demarcated for players and coaches or credentialed media only. At any number of 
venues. I've seen signs saying no entry, authorized personnel only, or restricted area. Many times at the entrance of a neighborhood, I've been stopped short by a gate. Sometimes a security code is required on a keypad. Sometimes there's a speaker where you have to talk to someone to try to get in. Sometimes there's a security guard monitoring the entrance. Years ago, I took Dana and our daughters to a rustic area in the North Carolina mountains where my grandfather used to own a little cottage. I wanted to show them where I spent some very special times during my childhood, but when we reached the gravel road that leads up to the old cottage, there was a big, rusty old gate blocking it. We had no access. Places all over the world use gates to deny entry. For example, you can't just waltz into Wimbledon whenever you wish. Last year, tennis legend Roger Federer found himself in London with a couple of hours to spare. So he decided to drop by Wimbledon to have tea and say hello to some friends there. Federer said, I've not really been at Wimbledon when the tournament is not on. So I drive up to the gate where usually the guests come in. That's where he encountered a security officer. He said to her, yes, hello. I was just wondering how I can get into Wimbledon. Where is the door? Where is the gate? She said, do you have a membership card? Obviously, she did not recognize him because when you win Wimbledon, as Federer has eight times, you automatically become a member. But he did not have his membership card on him. So he said to her, normally uh, when I'm here, I'm playing and there's loads of people and I come in a different way, but it's the first time I'm here while the tournament is not on and I don't know where to get in. So I'm just asking you again, where can I get in? The guard said, well, at the side, but you have to be a member. She wasn't budging. Federer, who seems to be a truly humble individual, finally said, I am a member, please believe me, I have won this tournament eight times, where do I get in? And still, the security guard would not budge. Uh, she would not open the gate. Federer had to get back in his car and find another place to enter. The denial of access is not just a modern phenomenon. The ancients were quite familiar with it. The holy temple in Jerusalem, the epicenter of ancient worship, had certain areas that were inaccessible too. Gentiles were prohibited from entering the inner courts of the temple. And there was no access at all for the holy of holies the innermost sanctum where God's presence appeared. Only the high priest was allowed in there, and he only once a year. This chamber of God's concentrated presence was blocked off by the massive temple curtain, a thick 80-foot-high barrier. 
There might as well have been a sign there saying no entry or restricted area, which raises the question of how much access to God we have. Is there a doorway to the divine? Is there an entryway to the Almighty? Is there a gateway to our Maker? Or is God secluded, sequestered, blockaded, and inaccessible? According to Bible scholar C.K. Barrett, ancient people who thought of heaven situated above the earth naturally thought of it as entered by a door or doors. This idea appears in Greek literature from Homer onwards. A similar image of a gate appears in Jewish sources as well, including the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 28, Jacob lay down one night and dreamed of a ladder reaching from earth to heaven. Angels were going up and down the ladder, and the Lord blessed Jacob. When he awoke, he declared, This is none other than the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. Psalm 118.20 echoes, This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. The biblical image of the gate, therefore, evokes an entryway into God's presence. It is within this broader context that Jesus says, I am the gate. This is one of Jesus' seven famous I am sayings in the Gospel of John, each of which resounds with divine overtones because God said to Moses back in Exodus chapter 3, I am who I am. In John 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. In John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. In John 10, he says, I am the good shepherd. In John 11, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. In John 14, he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. In John 15, he says, I am the true vine. I am the gate seems to receive less airtime than the others, but it merits our keen attention nonetheless. For Jesus to be the gate means that he is the portal to God's presence. He is the access point for knowledge of God. He is the passageway to eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. This is why Mark's gospel reports that when Jesus died on the cross, the massive temple curtain that blocked off the Holy of Holies was torn in two from top to bottom. Access to the face of God is now granted through Christ. Whoever enters by me, he says, will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The image is that of sheep entering the gate of a sheepfold. Picture a stoned enclosure 
in a square shape with solid walls all the way around except for one gate. The sheep that enter the gate are safe and secure, going in and out of the enclosure freely. They find good pasture, healthy water sources, security from predators, and safety from thieves, all under the leadership of the Good Shepherd. They are not merely surviving. They are flourishing. They are not merely existing. They are thriving. They are not merely getting their fill. They are fulfilled. Christ did not come just to manage our sin or make us less bad or mitigate our immorality. He came to give us abundant life. Christ did not come simply to curtail our wrongdoing or diminish our propensity for evil. He came to give us life to the max, life to the fullest, life at its very best. A Christ-centered life is the greatest deepest, most beautiful, authentic, satisfying life we could ever possibly live. Countless are the fallacies suggesting that money, sex, and power constitute the good life. Singular is the truth that Christ is the gate. He is the threshold for the good life of love, joy, and peace. He is the entryway for the good life of justice, righteousness, and warm community. Entering the gate is like trading a desiccated desert for green pastures. Trading a muddy little puddle for pristine rivers. Trading a hired hand for a good shepherd who loves us so very much that he lays down his own life in order to save us. We are no strangers to Christ, nor are we merely an obligation. We belong to him. It is he who loves us and we are his. John 10, 3 says he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Have you ever found yourself at a gate where you had to provide your name in order to get in? Where the attendant checks the list and if your name is on it, you are granted entry Christ knows your name. You are already on the list. You belong to him. Some worry that they're not among the chosen few who will receive salvation. But everyone was chosen by God the instant Christ died on the cross. He says in John 12, I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. All are welcome in Christ's flock by virtue of his death on the cross for all of our sins. That's why he says in verse 9, whoever enters by me will be saved. 
the Greek terminology translated whoever is one of the linguistic formulas that John uses throughout his gospel to denote anybody and everybody. Jesus says in John 3.16, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. He says in John 3.18, whoever believes in him is not condemned. He says in John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. He says in John 5.24, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He says in John 8.12, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. He says in John 8.51, whoever keeps my word will never see death. He says in John 11.26, whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Lamentably, certain self-righteous and sanctimonious minions of Christendom have sometimes appointed themselves gatekeepers in order to bar people that Christ has already welcomed. Let it be known today that Jesus is a whoever kind of Savior that preaches a whoever kind of gospel so that whoever believes can enter the gate of God. Whoever you are, you are welcome at the gate. Whoever you are, no exceptions, you are welcome. Whoever you are, no qualifications, you are welcome. The sign does not say no entry. It says enter here. The sign does not say restricted area. It says all welcome. Listen to Christ in John 6, 37. Whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. This is an emphatic invitation to anyone to approach the gate and enter salvation, to believe in Christ and access abundant life, to walk right into life eternal, to thrive and flourish in the security of the Savior's unfailing and unparalleled care. The gate is singular, but it's accessible to all. There's one gate, but it's open to anybody. No membership card is needed. No dues have to be paid. No code is required on a keypad. Whoever enters by me, he says, will be saved. We will be saved from the power of sin and death to enjoy abundant life on earth and everlasting life in the kingdom of heaven. Even devout Christians, even dedicated churchgoers, sometimes worry that they might not truly be saved, that heaven might not admit them, that the gate of salvation might be closed to them in the end. Due to a lack of good works or a deficiency in spiritual performance, some fear that heaven's gate will look like a blockade so official, so impassable, and so intimidating that they'll have to do a U-turn, much like I did when I saw the formidable gate on Bank Street blocking the way 
to the Virginia Capitol. As I drove back onto Ninth Street, looking for a place to park, I couldn't find one anywhere. So I turned right on Broad Street, got stuck in that thick traffic for a while, then pulled over to use the map on my phone, which was absolutely no help at all. The hour was drawing near, and I worried that I was going to be late and that the Senate would start without prayer because of my pastoral delinquency. I was anxious and feeling disoriented, worried and going in circles. When I ended up on 9th Street again, I remember that I had been given official directions from the Capitol staff that might be of some help. Waiting at a red light, I reached over and grabbed the paper that I had brought with me. It said, to access the plaza, enter from 9th Street and turn right onto Bank Street. I thought to myself, that's exactly what I did the first time. I continued reading, there will be a Capitol Police post visible as soon as you make the turn. I thought, yep, there sure is. I kept reading, the officer there will have your name. Will open the gates and show you exactly where to park. All at once I realized that the gate I thought was blocking my way was actually my appointed place of welcome. I turned right onto Bank Street again, but this time I approached that gate with faith. An officer came out and said, uh, said hello, I said, I'm here to say the prayer for the Senate today. She asked for my name. I gave her my name. She smiled and nodded and said, you can pull right in here and park on your left. And with that, the gate opened before me. What had seemed an impenetrable obstruction became an open entryway. What had seemed an inhospitable blockade became a welcome access point. What had seemed a restricted area became a place where I belonged. Friends, this is what Christ has done for us all. Go ahead and approach the gate. Go ahead and come to the gate with faith. He's expecting you. He already has your name. He's welcoming you warmly to the abundant life that wells up to the life everlasting. He's calling you into the kingdom of God. He's beckoning you into the kingdom of heaven. He's got a place for you. And I promise it is right where you belong. Amen.